Hey there, this is the Madison Story Slam podcast, and I am the host, Adam Rosted. On this episode of the podcast, it's a long slam with Ken Fitzsimmons of The Kissers. If you haven't heard of The Kissers, you're missing out. They're an Irish folk band from Madison that have been around for about 20 years or so. And uh, they've got a lot of great songs, and they play a lot of great shows, some of which are coming up this week, Sunday night, Monday night, and Thursday night for St. Patrick's Day. Hey, uh, our next Story Slam is Saturday, March 19th. Doors open at 6. Stories start at 7 at the Wilmar Center. Our theme is Rebel or Rebel. It's up to you. Choose how you want. Anyway, here's me and Ken talking about music in Madison. Enjoy. I have a song called Ballad of Cobb Tyler that... uh I don't know. That's just striking me at the moment is something to play. That's perfect with me. (laughs) (laughs) Seven cars had single file Out of town into the wild Late at night like angry stars Their headlights glare The glowing town behind slowly sinks down from their sight And the black of night surrounds them from all sides The late car starts slowing down The drivers slam their feet and frown this is not a very patient motorcade. The late driver, Pat McBride, pulls his car off to the side. The others watch him as he steps out in the night. Well, what's he doing in the road? Ask Bill O'Keefe of his wife Joan Is there something up there that we cannot see? Well, in fact, lying on the ground Is a man not making a sound Said Bill O'Keefe It's probably to someone clowning around But something is not right Cause the man's eyes are open wide But he doesn't see them He doesn't seem to care And beneath those hollow eyes Tell a passenger's surprise He is calmly wearing from cheek the cheek a smile As the people gather round Conversations soon die down An occasional gasp or sob Comes from the crowd The onlookers ask themselves, my God, oh, what the hell? What happened? How and why? Who should we tell? Then out loud, says Pat McBride, I think this man I recognize, it's Cub Tyler from the Steel Refinery. He must have stepped into the road Before a car that never slowed He probably never knew what hit him from behind But what he did not know Was that God Tyler, God rest his soul A final found is one true destiny Cause like the people gathered round 
Oh, Cap Tyler wore a frown And he never, ever, ever enjoyed anything Well, who knows what happened that night That caused this man to see the light Said Joan O'Keefe It looks just like he's seeing God Well now those people have all gone away While Cap Tyler even today Is still calmly wearing from cheek to cheek a smile That was great. That is uh, Ken Fitzsimmons from The Kissers playing... uh I already forgot the name. The Ballad of Cobb Tyler. Okay, that was that was really good. What uh, what CD is that on? Uh, that's on Good Fight. Okay. Welcome to Madison Story Slam. This is super informal. I don't do much of an introduction <laughs> uh, because screw it. Um, so you're Ken Fitzsimmons from Madison's own Irish. Uh, you know, I was reading on the website that you uh, you guys all say you're rock musicians who learned Irish music. Right. So it's Madison's own. Uh, Irish folk band made up of rock musicians. <laughs> uh, so, uh, right away, I was thinking about during that song that Irish style of folk singing and playing. There's something that really draws people in about that. It's almost, it's almost this like secret intensity that that music has, and I, I wanted to know why you're attracted to that, but then also why do you think that. I think I think it's a universal universal thing when anybody hears that kind of music that it, it is this draw. Why do you think there is that draw to that music? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's a great question, um, and you know, and I suspect the reason I'm drawn to it is the same reason many others are drawn to it. Um, and uh, you know, storytelling is a huge part of Irish culture, of course, um, and uh, you know, going back centuries, and um, I think that the Irish have been able to encapsulate um, struggle and joy so well together, as hmm. though the two can live, you know, side by side. One yeah. doesn't one doesn't negate the other. Um, and I think that that um, for whatever reason, the, the Irish culture not only lyrically. But musically has really captured that. I feel like you can you, you get a sense of that, um, you know, sort of ineffable quality yeah. even in the instrumental music. But that, but I think um, I think the uh, uh, the not only not only the struggle, but even um, you know they've even gone so far as to to actually you know, speaking of the theme, you know, the, to rebel yeah. and kind of keep it. Coded, so to speak, sure. so that um, the song could still be played and not, uh, you know, be banned or have the musicians arrested or yeah. whatever the case may be. Uh, I think you're right. Um, that kind of like mix of like sad and joyous thing. Mm-hmm. You know, humans in general like they're they're set up to like stories release oxytocin, mm-hmm. and so like the stress of that sadness part, and then the relief relief of the joy. It's almost like you hear a, a sad song. And as a as a listener, you almost think, well, he can't be that sad singing that song because he's singing a song about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and like, I'm a musician, I'm a songwriter, and I write exclusively sad music. And so there's part of me that hears me say that, and I go, well, no, I, I sing a lot of songs that are sad, and I'm still sad about them. Mm. But but there is there is a certain amount of joy. I don't. I don't think I could get up and sing a song that I was still truly wrecked over the mm. the stuff that it's about. Sure. There's there's a certain amount of me that's over it enough to be able to share the joy of music, or or what have you. Um, mm. You're from Whitewater originally. That's right. Or Watertown. I was confused. Whitewater. Whitewater. Yeah. So how does um, a guy from Whitewater end up in Madison, being a rock musician, transitioning to a uh, Irish folk musician? Well, they have a great university here. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> and uh, I, like many people who are um, still here, um, uh, moved here for the for the college and then stayed. Yeah. Um, and uh, I came here 
to study with Richard Davis. Um, I was a bass major. Sure. And um, I studied in the jazz program with him. But really the reason I did that was because it was the closest thing to playing rock music. <laughs> um, but I still wanted to go to college. Yeah. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have it paid for. So um, not not because I was uh, not not from a... Uh, not from a because I was smart, but because I was poor, <laughs> 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 or my my mom was poor. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> uh, he, I was actually an electric bass major, and he was the only professor who ever I ever even heard use the word rock as a mm-hmm. you know legitimate form of music. <laughs> and so I decided to come here. But I had already been introduced to the Pogues, which was my introduction into into Irish music, which. I guess is appropriate given that you know I, I grew up on you know Beatles and Bruce Springsteen and Buddy Holly and Ramones and the Pixies and the Dead Kennedys yeah. you know, influences. You can from, hear a lot of that influence. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so uh, a girlfriend of mine in high school played the Pogues for me for the first time, and I fell in love with it um, for all the reasons that you know you were just describing, and. Um, and so that was my introduction into, into into the Pogues. I even played a couple of Pogues tunes in my high school rock band. Sure. Tunes that Kissers still do. <laughs> and um, and then uh, I, that was just always in the back of my mind, basically. Yeah. And uh, eventually it, it, it came to fruition a couple of years. Actually, just about a year after I graduated, I guess, was when we played our first show. So, like, uh, what was the, remind me of the rock band you were in in college? Um, in, in uh, oh, um, Little Blue Crunchy Things was, right. was my college rock band, yeah. So when you're in that and, and had success with that, it, it, it seemed like when I was reading uh, the bio um, or your bio on the Kissers website, it seemed like you guys were kind of constantly on the verge of breaking for, for a while there? Yeah, it really felt like it. Yeah. It, it was, the band did really well. We played all ages shows. Sure. You know, and, and so we had a, a strong following, like under 18, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, as you could imagine, is a really big deal. It makes for really deep, uh, dedicated fans. And we had a good following both in Milwaukee and Madison. Okay. And so we, we, we traveled around, and, and we even... Um, I mean, we never full-on toured, but we do short tours. We went to the East Coast a few times. Usually it was sort of the greater Midwest. And, yeah, it always felt like that. We'd, we'd get some interest from some producer somewhere and some other promoter somewhere else. And, you know, this and that. And things would always, and I'm sure many musicians who hear this could relate to this, a lot of, you know, a lot of things that felt like close or on the verge of something and just nothing ever really happened. Yeah, and, just kind of peters out. Yeah, and we, we sort of never really could... I feel like we never quite reconciled whether we were trying to get signed or we were trying to be independent. We kind of okay. would waver between the two. And do you think that uh, as a whole, you guys were that way, or, or were there were, were there factions within the group? I, I, I guess. I mean, my my feeling was that it was more or less a, a, a the the whole. You know, I feel like I feel like the band at that time was fairly. Um, cohesive mm-hmm. um, because that band did something amazing that that I've never been in a band um, since that it's done and we wrote collectively okay like all you know the numbers varied five six people in the band would literally just start like playing together yeah and then a, a song would emerge wow you know the that same, would be really hard to do yeah I, I, I mean we didn't I don't think we even realized at the time what a big deal it was. Yeah. And you have to have something special to be able to do that as yeah, a band. Yeah. Like like naivete, you know. Like, mm-hmm. you just can't know any better yeah, that it's right. supposed to be hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah. And it made for some really interesting music. Yeah. You know? so, well, speaking of songwriting, um, I uh, the, the lead singer of Switchfoot, his solo folk records, I love. Yeah. Um, John Foreman. And... Uh, he listening to him talk about songwriting. He talks about how some songs you are the architect and the builder, and you're building this thing. But some songs you're more like an archaeologist, where you're just uncovering this thing that's always been there. Hmm. And uh, I really relate to that because, like, every song I have written that I would be like, hands down, I would put this on a record and tell people they should buy it. All of those songs are songs that I just feel like. I didn't write this. Like, it just, this mm. was just here. Mm. And so I wonder, uh, with you saying that you guys would just start playing and a song would come out, if it was, did you feel that kind of thing where it was like, we're not really creating this thing. This is something that I don't want to get uber spiritual or anything, but, like, something out there gave us this. 
gave us this gift that we just kind of stumbled upon or found. Huh. Well, that's that's a that's a great question. I don't I don't think that that band, at least collectively, was that conscious. Sure. I feel like um, we would. Again, it was like we didn't know any better. We just go and like, hey, we need to come up with a new tune. Let's just let's just jam. We jam. We record it. You know, and we listen. And be like, yeah, hey, that's something. Let's hold on to that. You know, say, what? Oh yeah, but what if we do this? You know, and, and right around the room, different people would be throwing out ideas, and um, and then there would be, you know, different for every song, but often. Uh, something we we decide okay let's work on this you know and then we would strive to try to make it something but um i don't think that group had that consciousness to say you know wow we really feel like we're this is coming from you know you know the, the, the eons cosmos, before yeah. us or the yeah yeah I, I mean you know perhaps all the members would would feel differently now sure um but um but yeah we were just more like just kids just Having, having a good time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so during that whole time, you had this yearning to to transition to the Irish folk singer. Well, yeah, okay. So, you know, I was a bass player, sure, and so the crunchy things were. I mean, that was bass music. Like I, you know, you know play my ass off in that band. We're yeah. having a reunion. Was it kind of a funk? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, kind of definitely thing? a funk bass. I okay. mean, there were some songs that weren't weren't super funky, but that definitely, yeah, yeah, um, and. Um, and we, you know, we have a reunion coming up in a couple months, and you know, it's like I got to prepare for it because I don't play that that much that hard these days. Um, but um, but there was to me always something that felt a little like I wasn't quite in my element, hmm. and that's what the Kissers was. Um, and the Kissers, when it started, was just a side project because the crunchy things were still um, still still going strong. In fact. Kissers, uh, you know, we were early on landed a gig, uh, a weekly gig at OK's, and never even played a weekend show for like a year yeah. because I had to, I was dedicated all my weekends to 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 uh, the, crunch, the crunchy things. But but to really juxtapose it, like I didn't even want to be the bass player. I wasn't even the bass player of the Kissers at first. Hmm. Um, my cousin Caitlin was because I just wanted to be the singer. Sure. You know? So did you not play anything uh, at first? It, were it, you just it, singing? It varied. I did a little bit of banjo. Okay. Um, I may have played guitar, but mainly it was banjo or I just sang. Okay. Yeah, which was kind of fun. I think it's funny. I have uh, – so I grew up uh, a pastor's kid. People who listen to this podcast are very familiar that I was a pastor's kid. And I was very involved in church and music in church. And I was always leading music. Mm. Now that I'm an adult, I often find myself being like, I don't want to lead. I mm. I would like to be playing drums or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's funny – uh, I don't know. It uh, people always want what they don't have, basically, even if it's less than what they do have. <laughs> um, so when did the Kissers start? Was it ninety nine? So two? the the official start date, our official first show was March seventeenth, nineteen ninety eight. Oh really? I didn't know it was that early. Not that one year is earlier, but um, and then I was when I first got here today. I was talking about how I didn't know you guys were still together. Because when you took your hiatus, yeah. I had just moved. Like, you took your hiatus, and then I moved out of Wisconsin. And then when I moved back, I wasn't really pl- as much plugged into the music scene as I was. Yeah. So when I bumped into you at The Moth, and I was like, you're from The Kissers. That I looked you up, and I was like, oh, there's still a thing. I Like, I had no <laughs> idea. When did you guys get back together or start playing again? Yeah, well... Um you want the long story? This seems an appropriate, appropriate spot for the Absolutely. long story. Absolutely. We're Madison stories. <laughs> so. All right. Well, so um, we broke up, or it, we, we called it a farewell for now show, mm-hmm. um, but that was in 2008. And um, a few years before that, we had toured very heavily. Um, in 2005, I think we played 210 shows wow. and, and drove 75,000 miles. And um, we worked hard. And... Um, we uh, we decided to run our van on vegetable oil. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's a good thing, but also like really oh. stressful. Oh, so stressful! I can't like, imagine. Basically, all the extra energy I had that should have been spent on you know managing and promoting and sure. you know and thinking about the band was spent on fixing the van. And well, and, and trying to find restaurants that saved it. Right, right. right. Trying like to, yeah, I, trying I imagine back then. Or I should say, I imagine now you could probably get a an app on your smartphone 
that would tell you in every yeah. city which restaurants <laughs> yeah, right. are willing to do that. Right. But back then, I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. And so it was hard and, and, um, and uh, basically just got burned out. Yeah. And, um, and then our, our fiddle player and, and, and guitar player at the time, Nate Palin and, and Carrie Bethke, uh, both were decided to move to New York. And it was like, okay, okay, fine, you know. That's as good a reason as any, um, and so um, and I went to grad school. Mm-hmm. You know, just it just kind of that almost like midlife crisis kind of thing. Like I don't know what the heck am I doing? You know, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's it's so funny. I think about it now, but like at the time, I had fantasies of like, what would it be like to work at, at the same job every day in the same city, you know, and go home every night? <laughs> what would that be like? That's just like wow. That's like I see that in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, exactly. People want what they don't have. Yeah, it's so true, so true. And so um, so I did it. I went to grad school. I went to business school and got an MBA in arts administration. It was a great program, but by the end of it, I was totally sick of it. And I was like, man, I want to play music. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, and so basically, um, we'd, we'd, we'd played twice during that time, two yeah. St. Patrick's Days, mm-hmm. and uh, thought, you know, let's play a few more shows. Yeah. And um, so... So we, we did, and the band was fine was cool with that. I think I was probably the most burned out member, but everybody had had a break, and um, and so we we started playing more. And um, do you think that that break and you said you did that for a while, and, and you thought screw that, I want to play music. Mm-hmm. Do you think coming back to it, you had a new appreciation? Well, y- yes, yes. I mean, um, so. I didn't. I didn't entirely give up my, you know, administrative life, if you will, um, because I actually really enjoy that. I work. I work still, still in music. I work in education uh, mm-hmm. at a place called Madison Music Foundry, um, and I and I teach bass lessons, which actually I've done all along. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, but y- yes, uh, I mean, I, uh, I. It's hard for me to imagine now, going in reverse, it's hard for me to imagine doing that again, you know, just because it was just crazy. We would tour for like 11 weeks straight. That's crazy. And, you know, and I watch, you know, we we did uh, our last album, um, Monica Merton from the band Fox Mm -hmm. uh, sang a song with us. Yeah. It's it's beautiful, haunting. You know, we do Foggy Dew, which is a traditional Irish tune about the Easter rising. And um, she's just, you know, beautiful, magnificent just performance you know that that uh and she was great to work with and so you know we just kind of we're like well what you know what's she doing and we just watched fox you know and of course they have, have had a lot of success and it's been awesome and, just, and i look at their tours and i'm just like oh <laughs> like, wow that's so great like like part of me is like wow that's so cool you know if, if we'd stuck with it we'd probably be doing stuff like that too and then another part of me was just having this kind of visceral like you know, almost nauseous feeling. Like, yeah. Oh my God, I so don't want that either. You know, I like I want it and I don't want it. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, forgive me for this question. How old are you? I'm forty. Okay, so, and they're all late twenties, early thirties, right? At the oldest, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, do you think there's a part of that though? Like, it's a you're a completely I, different stage of life. I, I know I you're a father and you've right. got a small family now, and so right. Yeah. There's got to be that influence too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I spend the night somewhere now. And I miss my family. You yeah, know? it's like, oh man, that's too long. And so, yeah, it is so different. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of parents can relate to this, but there's just sort of, there's this life before child and life after, and it is a, a hard separation. And in fact, it's such a separation that, for, in some ways, the life before child feels like, you know, just eons ago, a past life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the neat thing, though, actually, has been seeing it come back together. You know, with as being a parent and 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 being older now, I'm um, at least older older than I was then, um, and uh, the way that's been affecting our music. And I think I think that Three Sales. So Three Sales is our first album since we came back from our hiatus, yeah, semi-retirement or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think that it shows. I, I feel like it has a certain maturity. I think the fact that we chose to go traditional really kind of reflects our lives in many ways yeah. and, and I say our lives collectively but really of course it's, it's varied a lot depending on what member you talk to but just hmm. the band itself has a life of its own no matter what the membership is and um, and uh, 
and so um, I, I think that that reflects kind of this coming back together. Okay, so when the kissers have done all this and have gotten older, now what do we do? And and we think of it as kind of going backwards musically. Sure. You know, we started from rock, and now we've we've <laughs> we've reverted back to the roots of that yeah. Irish rock. Yeah. Um, I think we covered how you how you, how the kissers came back to playing again. I think we did. I, I guess that was the question, times. wasn't it? Yeah. But yeah, I think that's okay. Um, are you religious at all? I ask because I feel like a lot of Irish folk music and traditional Irish folk music has a lot of roots in Catholicism. Uh, there's a lot of uh, religious themes that you hear, and uh, I just I'm just curious if you're religious and if that affects your music at all. Um, I guess my answer would be um, I'm I'm not I would say spiritual but not religious. Like I, I you know I'm not I'm not the member of any particular religion. Yeah. Um, but uh, and so I tend to uh, take, you, you might say the, um, the 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 mystic interpretation of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're absolutely right that um, Irish music is full of, you know, uh, uh, much of it is 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 you know there's a religious overtone to it, uh, Catholic. Um, and in a way, that's something I've actually that I've rebelled against. You know, I think I've mellowed on it in certain ways, but in certain ways, I still haven't. Which is, um, you know, much about the uh, separation of Ireland. Um, uh, is you know is is uh, reduced to a Catholic versus Protestant. Um, you know, it's simplified to yeah. that. And I uh, I would often my rebellious answer to that would be um, I, I said I, I, I'm not Catholic or Protestant you know it doesn't make any sense to me yeah um, you know it all looks like the same God to me um, <laughs> and you know and, and of course also you, you know we, we inevitably encounter a lot of sort of uh, uh, folks who are sympathetic to if not um, supportive of the violence of the IRA, sympathetic to maybe it's more sort of political yeah. uh, um, ambitions. Um, and um, I'm not really into that either. Uh, I'm not, uh, we don't really play rebel songs. Per se. We have, I shouldn't say that, we have delved slightly into the rebel songs, but for the most part. Because like, they're fun. They are fun. Yeah. And, and again, you know, s- just in the same way of taking sort of the, 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 the mystical interpretation of religion, I kind of do it sometimes with the rebel songs. Like, there's a certain element of, of rebellion sure. that, that you can connect with, mm-hmm. even if that doesn't mean you're going to go out and, you know, actually, you know, blow things up. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, but I, I do get a little bit. Um, I don't like it when people throw that around, you know, willy nilly because you know serious stuff and, mm-hmm. and, and you know people have died. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> spiritual. Yes, I mean you noticed in that song I used I, I refer to God a couple yeah. times in there. And, and again, it's kind of like in, in one sense the reason I played that song was because um, I just. When I think storytelling, that was that was one of the first songs that I tried. Well, not first, but it was one where I just consci- consciously was trying to tell a story. It's just made up. It's nothing. It's yeah. nothing you know, and um, and I was trying to hold a, a, a mood with it, and um, and so I just think people would react that way, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and um, I, I'm surrounded by people who are. Or, or I have often been surrounded, I'll say this, by, by people who are, are, are um, uh, you know, they're, they're atheist, like, to the, to, to, uh, what's, what's the word? Um, like, proud atheist. You sure. Know, like, like, it's not just atheist. It's like, like, kind of like shove it in your face atheist. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or like, if you, if you use the word God or yeah. anything like that, like, what's How your problem? You? Yeah. yeah. And um, and it's it's been a kind of a weird transition to me because I've gotten more comfortable with that language as I've more or less kind of redefined it and and let go of some of the you know basically when I when I see things tied to religion that I I feel are really um, you know that are bullshit yeah right doing it in the name of whatever religion yeah. you know um, but I've realized that that's you know those things can be separated I mm-hmm. mean it's important to not to to, to you know, it's all. It's always complex, right? Yeah. But I, I, I realized that, um, that uh, it, 
there's 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 great there's good. I mean, I've I've never really encountered a religion that I thought, oh, that's terrible. You know, sure. it's like, oh, no. It's, you know. I don't know. Like, I know that there's a lot of people that would classify Westboro Baptist Church as a separate religion from uh, Christianity. Yeah. That's a terrible religion. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. Kind of speaking sure. on atheism, this is sure. a little bit of a tangent, but like, you know, I grew up pastor's kid, went to a Christian school, kindergarten through through twelfth grade. Am still very religious, but I'm a very liberal Christian. Uh, who supports gay marriage, who is for women's rights, uh, and says fucking shit a lot. <laughs> but, uh, but I know a lot of really conservative Christians who, when they talk to somebody or hear about somebody who's atheist, especially if it's somebody who was formerly in the church, it, it is uh, almost a personal attack on them, an affront. Where it, It's so weird. They take it as, as that person saying, I think you're stupid. And I'm rejecting you. And it's just, I just have always said, I don't care if you're an atheist. You're not, mm-hmm. I'm not stupid. You're not calling me stupid. You just don't believe in God. And I'm, I'm fine with that. Right. And uh, it, it's that the whole religious and atheism uh, thing, the conflict that's there, I, I just think it's all bullshit. Like, I just, like, let's yeah. get over it and just be people. We're all people. Yeah. That's really what, what we need to focus on. Right, right. Well, you know, and I, th- I feel like we've seen that, especially in this polarized political climate. You know, if you don't disagree with me, then you are stupid. You know, you are wrong. You're a failure. You're, you're the problem. You know, whatever. And it's, it's all externalizing blame, right? I mean, whenever we, whenever we have that strong reaction... Um, especially to someone who hasn't actually done anything to us. Yeah. Um, it's speaking to something happening inside ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and, um, I feel like, um, self-responsibility is, uh, is such a, is such a big thing. And I, and I, I find that people who are really, it, 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 it crosses, it doesn't matter. Some people are religious and really have a, a, a higher sense of their 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 inner being, and you know they're going to probably refer to that in specific ways depending on their religion. And there are people who are not religious who will use a different language to refer to much of the same thing. You know, whether it be a higher power, or it's the universe, or it's God, or it's or it's Allah, or it's Jesus, or it's whoever. Um, and um, that when they're connected with that, then um, you know I find that like I, I see language on like Christian websites that really talks about taking responsibility for mm-hmm. your faith in God, you know? And, like, I'm like, yeah, that's... I, yeah, I'm not going to take any issue with that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And it's funny you say that because, you know, it's like I've heard it both sides. I heard religious people say, you know, like, um, he's he's actually, you know, he's not... He's not. Uh, he's not a Christian, but he's actually. He's actually okay. He's, he's a great guy. And, yeah. and of course, exactly the opposite. Yeah, he's he's Christian, but he's actually he's a actually huge okay asshole. Guy. Oh, okay. He's, he's actually <laughs> okay. Guy. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know, both ways. Yeah. You know, just the assumption that if you're, you know, yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I think that's something we learn with learn with age. You know, I mean, I've I've gotten no less liberal in my my politics. In yeah. fact, I may have even gotten more liberal in my politics. <laughs> that's how I am. Um, but I think I've I've gotten much more tolerant. Um, well, actually, in some ways, more intolerant, but tolerant in the right ways. I, I feel like tolerant, you know, seeing people as people. Yeah, you know, and Which not, is not as their cause or not as their religion or whatever the case. S- may be. Something that that comes up very often on this podcast, and I think it's mainly because it's something that I have learned and continue to learn more about, is that so much of having a good life and having good relationships is being able to see beyond yourself. I look at the issues that people have with other people, and it's all tied back to like looking at your own shit and not being able to accept somebody past what you see. And it's just like, yeah. just get over it, just get past it. Again, I go back to we're all humans, we're all people, like mm-hmm. you know. So, mm-hmm. um, so all that to say, I, I sort of brought up religion because I don't know if I don't know if you'll play this song, uh, but my favorite Kisser's song is "Kicked in the Head," ah. and I was wondering if you might play it. You know what? I can't play it, um, and the reason I can't play it is because I don't know it. Um, and what I mean—that by, that was what I was afraid. What of. I mean, I don't know it is because it's Nate's. Nate yeah. wrote it. Yeah. And I—I I mean, I could probably pull up the lyrics like somewhere <laughs> on my phone, and I could probably play through it. But maybe we could just talk about it. Sure. Yeah. So I know a bit of the story behind it. Yeah. And it's a great song. Yeah. And I totally hear you on wanting to hear, 
wanting to hear it. Yeah. Um, if only we'd brought Brian in. Brian, Brian has been singing it in Nate's absence. Um, but, you know, he literally got visited by some uh, Mormons at his door. And that's, that's the inspiration for the whole song. I didn't and he, know that. And, yeah, and he, um, he rather than um, kicking him off the doorstep, he invited them in, and they all sat down and talked. And that was the inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> Kicked in the head by the Lord, by the Lord. is, of course, the, yeah, the chorus. Yeah, I love that song. I, I, that song is great for, for many reasons, but it's got the greatest rhythm. It's just a toe-tapping. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I, you know, kudos to Nate for writing such a, such a good tune. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've, in fact, we've even made a point to, uh, uh, when, you know, when he left the band, I was like, well, what about your songs? You know, like, do you mind if we play them? It feels <laughs> kind of weird. And he's like, totally fine. Um, there was one song he didn't want us to play, a song he wrote called Ginger Rogers. Uh, I think he's since changed the name of it. That's what's called on the Kissers record. He said, that one I want to keep, but the rest you can have. I'm like, all right, cool. And <laughs> so, Did he want to keep it uh, for he, he playing was, later yeah, with he was other just, people? He was just asking that we don't play it, sure, basically. Yeah. Like, he just wanted that one close to him. <laughs> yeah. You know? And um, I, think, I, I think I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was totally fine with that. No no, no issue. I would have I really had no issue for any of it, to be honest. And But the, I was... I was grateful that he was fine with us playing the other tunes. In fact, every once in a while, he's he's around when we play a gig, and he comes and sits in, and it's That's pretty awesome. fun. Um, but um, yeah, so so we actually just we we for some reason hadn't been playing "Kicked in the Head" for a while, and we just actually were bringing it back. I'm yeah, I was going to ask with taking a was your hiatus two years, two and a half? Yeah, yeah, I call it two years. Sure. Okay, um, <laughs> with with that kind of hiatus. You know, you're probably not picking up a guitar or picking up a bass and and playing along with Kisser's records. Yeah. Uh, did you? Was it a hardship coming back to play old songs that you hadn't played? Uh, did it drive you to try and just write new songs? Yeah, you know that's a really good question. So, <laughs> so bands that well, I can't. I, I guess I won't speak for the bands that do this. No, you can. But you know, there are many bands that have taken long breaks and then come back together, right? Mm-hmm. And um, what you have to, what you try to avoid is becoming a cover band of your own music. Yeah. You know, it's this weird thing. Mm-hmm. And because um, right now, the, the, the band, you know, the band has, has had many members, almost 20 over wow. over the period of 18 years. Yeah. Um, I guess that's just about a little over one new band member per year. <laughs> and, um, and Joe, the drummer, and I are the ones who were touring the only ones who were doing the really hard touring sure although mike on accordion did was on the tail end of the touring and then uh, and then kevin was on the very beginning of it and kevin and brian this is very complicated there'll be a quiz later uh (laughs) kevin and brian were in the 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 band uh when it started at okays in 98 Mm -hmm. um and uh so nobody um, Joe and I are the only ones who really have a pretty good um, uh, repertoire of all the music that the band has played, or at yeah. least we have the most together. And so we'll be teaching. We have some guys who are much newer in the band, only been for only for three or four years. Um, <laughs> That's as long as some bands last. I know, I know. <laughs> and uh, and so we're like teaching them the songs, you know, and 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 it's like, oh well. I, and I'm I'm forgetting how it went on the record, you know, and and we sort of have to go back to the record and, and learn it just the way the record was, so that we can then mess with yeah, it, I was and ask, remake it our own. I was going to say you can, you know, like we said, a lot of bands have done this, taken a break, come back and play their songs, and some do become a cover band because they just are like, well, let's play it how it's on the record. Right. But you're consciously trying to not do that. You're, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, to to a degree. I mean, we're, some of it is just like. Just doing we can't remember how it goes at all. Yeah, <laughs> I mean we've played hundreds, I don't know, thousands of, of, of songs, you know. And um, but what what happens to us is we it's easy for us to start straying from our original material, and we just play like Irish tunes, Pogues tunes, Johnny Cash covers, whatever, because hmm. we just kind of like we lose faith that people will want to hear our original music. Sure. And then we ask some people or close friends, you know, hey, you know, what, what would you want to hear in a Kisser show? And they're like, I want to hear more of your originals. Like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, and then I forget. Yeah, we have those. Right. Back in 2005, 2006, I remember us deciding we will not play more than one Pogue song in a set. Sure. Ever. Yeah. You know? And it, they were playing all original music, or, or at least original arrangements of Irish tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just wanting to get back to that more. I mean, I think it can be a balance. But um, that was part of the, 
impetus of like we, we'd played kicked in the head a few years ago and it, you know as as happens with songs they drift off the set list and they come back on yeah but, but it is it is strange because i'll be looking at joe and be like how does that go again you know <laughs> is it two choruses here or what you know do you do you uh <laughs> have you been on stage and have that happen oh sure that's the worst <laughs> i i'm not i have not played with a band in a long time and any shows i've done in the last two or three years have been solo with a with just a female vocalist and uh, I'll get up and we'll start singing and three songs in. Halfway through the third song, it's like, uh, we didn't practice this one because I thought I knew it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just the uh-huh. worst. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, totally. I, I've, I've, I've probably messed up every part of every song, you know, I've ever, I've ever done and, and uh, at some point. And, um, you know, it, it's just... It's it's human is what it is, yeah. right? It's really to fail is human, yeah. Yeah, it's just a I mean, and is it a failure? You know, like so I forgot a verse. Yeah. And and there's people in the audience who loved it. Yeah. Is, did it did it fail? You know, by what measurement, you know? And uh, see, it, I always argue that the, by my measurement. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that, right? Because, you know, I, I think... Which is most likely the strictest and yeah, harshest of, of all measurements, I, right? You know, you can't... You can't be a performing musician and have not messed up while performing. Right. right. And I think every time I've ever done that, I've gotten off stage and said to my wife or said to somebody, oh, I, sh- I fucked that song up so bad. Mm. And they're like, no, I didn't. Really? nobody like, out there noticed. Really? It was great. Yeah, because yeah, you like play a wrong chord, but it turns out that that wrong chord actually sounded pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Or you screw up the words. But actually, that arrangement of words actually works well, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's harder when you're like... When I play the record of the Emma Fitzgerald and leave out four verses or something like that in a more extreme case, um, <laughs> but um, uh, <laughs> it, you know um, the uh, the you know the way it's received is so different than the way it's it's delivered. But you know I I feel like you know <laughs> sometimes I mean sometimes we just play a song and it flops, right? I mean we're just it just happens, <laughs> and you know we'll end the song and. You know, say things like, you know, we'll, maybe we're playing a, playing a free show. We'll say, you know, don't forget how much you paid to get in here tonight. You know, <laughs> or, uh, or, um, hey, you know, we're really happy to be opening up for the Kissers. They'll be on soon. You know? <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> I, you know, like I said, a lot of my songs, I, ha- I have like one happy song. Everything else is sad. It's either about death or divorce. Mm-hmm. And uh, I open up with. <laughs> Well, I hope you didn't come to have fun tonight. <laughs> and nice. like, and like, I'll get done with some song about somebody dying and the funeral, and it's horrible. And I'll get done and be like, "Well, here's another song about death." <laughs> and it's like this cathartic, like, yeah, I know this is sad, but this is just like who I am. So, um, you know, you mentioned uh, you got into UW and didn't have to pay for it, not because mm-hmm. you were smart, mm-hmm. but because you were poor. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was tongue in cheek, but. W- was there a certain amount of poverty that you grew up in? Well, I mean, I mean, it's, it's true. Uh, I mean, I my parents divorced when I was in uh, junior high, and so for for all of high school, I lived with just my mom, who was a waitress at a diner. Yeah. So that was our, our income, and I started working at the pizza place when I was actually sixteen, I think, maybe even fifteen. Um, and uh, I remember, you know, looking at the child labor laws and how long could I work and how late, you know. <laughs> And um, and I I was um, I was paying for my own phone bill and and even paying my mom some rent and you know yeah. I was getting very independent. She was, you know, by the time I, I I graduated, I was even like like just telling her what time I'd be home at night. You know, and became very independent. But um, and uh, and I guess just because I was financial, maybe part of it was because I was financially becoming independent because she couldn't really do a whole lot. So, but I mean, I never felt like I was in, um, you know, I was deprived or anything. I, I, I had a, I had a perfectly, you know, I never, I never felt poor. I didn't really know. Like I, I saw other kids like, you know, of course by the time I was in high school, I didn't care about this, but like maybe early in high school or a little younger, I noticed kids like wearing different clothes and, and I, it, it, I never even realized like, Oh, it's cause those clothes, cost more money sure like i didn't even realize that until much later in life <laughs> um and so in, in a way it was kind of i was kind of naive about it but it, it, to me it was it served me because i just didn't really know the difference i wound up rebelling anyway i don't even know exactly what i was rebelling against but um and uh and you know and it, and it served me in other ways like i didn't know any better than you know like my mom was a waitress since so i was gonna be a musician so she wasn't like 
you know, you're going nowhere in life by being a musician. <laughs> you know, like the fact that I went to college was, was, a, was yeah. a, you know, my, neither of my parents went to college. So. Yeah. I can relate to the, to the clothes thing uh, and, and not wearing those clothes. Like, so I went to a private Christian school and the dress code was khakis and polos. So, like, all of these rich conservative Christian kids went and shopped at American Eagle, and that's the only one I can think of, of right. those kind of stores. And we were either at the bargain bin at JCPenney or Goodwill. Uh-huh. And, like, even when I started working and could, and could buy my own clothes and did buy my own clothes, I was like, no, <laughs> I am not shopping at American Eagle and spending $60 on right. a polo shirt when I can get the same shirt for $3 at Goodwill. Right. So I was definitely rebelling against that. Like, yeah. Clothes don't define me. Like, <laughs> you're an idiot if you spend $60 on a shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, my, my wife, Maggie, has been, well, she's been great in, in so many ways, but just speaking of clothes, you know, like, I hate to, you know, it's like I'm I've almost become a cliche, you know, like I let her, I, I wouldn't say she dresses me, but I let her definitely guide the clothes purchasing decisions mm-hmm. um, because, uh, because, like, I'm still, I'm 40 years old and I'm still like, I don't, you know. Like. <laughs> but do you think, do you think it's that you just don't care? Well, that's what it is for me. Like, give me a flannel shirt and cargo shorts, yeah. as, as dumb as cargo shirts are, like, that's you, all I need. You know, what What has happened with me in, in more recent years is I have come to care. But it's not about it's not about the fashion, per se. It's about feeling good and dressing in a way that, like, like for example, I've always worn very baggy clothes. And just very recently, I've started to try to wear clothes that actually fit my body. Sure. And I feel like in, in that has been some kind of, you know, self-loathing. Hmm. You know, it's like not wanting to wear things that... Like something, you know. I you mean, can I, almost hide in baggy clothes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I'm a tall and skinny, and you know, people probably look at me like, "What do you, you know, what's what's the what's the you know what's the deal?" I mean, it doesn't, you know, and that just happens to be my frame. But um, you know, like like you're like there's something that's more exposed. Yeah, when you're wearing totally wearing clothes that, that fit you, and 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 so I think that as I've gotten comfortable more in my own body, I'm like, oh yeah, let's wear. I want to wear clothes that fit me. Yeah. Um and. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting growing process. No pun intended. Sorry about this sun in your eyes. Yeah, that's all I right. It's you know we. All right, we'll edit all that shit out. Yeah, <laughs> especially me falling off my stool. Another <laughs> <laughs> <the> round, Adam. <laughs> um, so we're talking about clothes. We're gonna get over clothes. Yeah. Um, let's hear a song. I don't know if you have anything you want to play. Hmm. Boy, you know a few have come to mind. Um, I know we were talking about uh, the. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned the uh, the political climate, the polarized political climate we uh, live in, yes. and I don't know that we've ever lived in a more polarized political climate right. than right. we do in 2016. Right. Um, and I know you wrote a uh, politically charged song. Maybe you've written many, but the one that I know yeah. is uh, is it Scotty? We're coming for for you. Yeah. So you, if you want, you can play that. If you have sure. anything else in mind, uh, we're we're open to anything, really. Well, all right. So that's – I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because um, when you said the theme, you know, right now was, was rebel. Yeah. Or rebel. Either or. <laughs> I, I, I decided to let now. people – yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can choose. <laughs> and um, I uh, – you know, much of – our album, Good Fight, um, we promoted as a political album. And it, we didn't write it as a political album. We just We just wrote songs, finished it. And actually, at that time, we actually hired a promotion company. Like, so how should we push this? What's what's, hmm. what do you, what's the angle? I don't know. And like, I guess it's political. And we just we didn't even we weren't even trying. It was just that, in the spirit of Irish music, we were we were um, singing about things that mattered to us. Mm-hmm. You know, not about Ireland. I mean, not to say Ireland doesn't matter to me, but things that you know close to home as, as an Irish person would do about things in Ireland we did as someone from the US and from Wisconsin and that album came out in um, uh, 2005 but the writing for it was, was of course for a couple years before that it was in the middle of the Iraq war or the beginning of the Iraq war yeah and um, so like a song No War is on there um, song great what, song yeah thank you on um, What They Can which is just kind of about struggling about working people um, kicked in the head uh I'm uh, sorry, I got to go back to No War. I completely forgot about that song. Uh, that song, I, I first heard you guys at um, at the Union 
at an outdoor show in the summer uh, and fell in love with No War and kicked in the head and went home straight to iTunes is like, I got to find this and downloaded those two songs. And for the rest of that summer, like th- those were my anthem songs. I wow. love those songs. Oh, cool. Thank you. Um, and, you know, Pictures of an Execution is about the death penalty. I mean, there's, you know, all kinds of stuff on that album that was, that was, films. although Cobb Tyler is also on that, on yeah. that album too. Um, and there were a few kind of real sad songs. And, um, and so, um, you know, we talked about the re- the reformation. I call it the reformation sometimes. We made a flyer showing the <laughs> posting the, um, you know, the, all that. Uh, um, <clears throat> I was I essentially had a writer's block for a couple of years, and the one thing I have Scott Walker to thank for. I mean, I I I I I, I, I don't thank Scott Walker for uh, you know anything else. Anything else? Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, one thing he did do was help break my writer's block. Yeah. And uh, I went to an event at the Barrymore during the protests, which I guess were about five years from now. Yeah. Or uh, ago. It's, it's hard to believe that was that long ago. Know, that feels like two years ago yeah. at most. You know, you just had like your prote- your signs in your car. And, you know, it was like, oh, there's protests at 5 o'clock today. Got to yeah. go. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, check Facebook. Let's see what's up today. You know. Um, and... Uh, it was, you know, uh, Tammy Baldwin was there, I think Jim Hightower, um, uh, and uh, Dennis Kucinich. And, and I remember just going to that, that event and thinking after that, and if this doesn't inspire me to write a song, I don't know what, what will. And so the next morning, Scotty, We're Coming For You came out, and I, wanted, I didn't want it to be overly preachy. I wanted it to be kind of called to action, and I also didn't want it to be, like, seething. You know, sure. just spitting angry like no war is, um, and I, I, I don't apologize for that with no war. I think I was appropriate, but I just you why know. don't why do you think you didn't want uh, Scotty were coming for you to be that angry? I wanted it to be more like a song that everybody would sing together in the pub. Yeah, um, you know, a song that almost like brings people together as opposed to like as railing and, and angry. I mean, it's obviously angry, yeah, but not like I just didn't feel like I needed to overdo it. I feel like I, I, I've just had so much anger in so many of my songs that I, for me, toning it down, maybe it was just changing, you know, making the anger from, you know, 10 down to 4 or something. Sure. I don't know. And a really angry song, especially about something that politically charged, could turn away people from the music and it, not hear the message yeah, at all. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And so um, I, uh, I literally wrote it that morning, and that was the morning of the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Hmm. And that year, the Kissers were still on hiatus, but um, I wound up uh, riding with the... It was a nurses' union. I can't remember the name of the union. And, and I just played solo on their flatbed. Nice. And I, I put the lyrics to the song on the... On the, on the taped them to the flatbed and, and had people... Um, uh, uh, I, I taught people the, the, you know, the Scotty We're Coming For You part who are walking behind the float. You know, we just yeah. did it right then and there. Um, so this thing actually is literally the, the or I guess maybe the parade is literally the five-year anniversary for that song. And then, and then we started playing at the protest. So, um, so yeah, it, it was, it, it, what it felt like was, you know, we'd actually written a lot of protest music. And so it, it felt like we'd had almost like experience, well, I say we, I guess I wrote it. I had experience writing that kind of music only because that's just the kind of music I write anyway. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like it's not like a departure from us for, for us, which maybe that just it just fit it fit better. But yeah, I'm happy to play. Um, so I just we played this recently. Kevin and I were were playing a gig together, and uh, and um, there was this, this older uh, uh, group of about four people, and they were just kind of sitting there listening to us, and they were hanging out, you know, and it was fine. And then we played this song, and like a couple of them like got up and danced. <laughs> And they're like, we didn't know who you were until you played that song. That's awesome. You know, it's just like, that's, yeah, yeah, I thought that was really cool. So, all right, it's got ever coming for you. First, they came for the unions, saying that you should have less. The companies need more, yeah, people aren't poor. Stop whining, buck up like the rest. And then they came for the children. It's hard to believe, but it's true. Schools and good health might take from their wealth. So tell me, what are you gonna do? Oh, Scotty, we're coming for you. 
I never knew how much I loved Wisconsin Till I stood in the Capitol Dome With the signs on the walls and the drums in the halls The cries of freedom shouting all night long Everyone standing together Teachers in red, cops in blue Hundreds of thousands show the people at power So tell me, what are we gonna do? Oh, Scotty, we're coming for you And here's what the band would play For so long, we've all been asking How come people aren't more upset? They're selling our clout, they're tuning us out They're not treating us with respect Well, the giant has only been sleeping Now the sun's shining on morning dew And from under the sheets it came into the streets So tell me what is it gonna do? Oh, Scotty, we're coming for you. Oh, yeah, tell me, what are you gonna do? Scotty, we're coming for Tell me, what are we gonna do? Scotty, we're coming for you. So good. That's so good. Yeah, thank you. You know, I forgot. Uh, you know, I whistled that part in the middle, and if you're listening really closely, you notice they altered the melody slightly. That song is actually a cover of one of my. I, I was plagiarizing myself. <laughs> I've done that. Yeah. yeah, I wrote a song years ago in a band called Lame Johnny, and it was like the Lame Johnny theme song, is what I ca- <laughs> called it. it was, so I called the song Lame Johnny, and uh, and it's the same melody, or yeah. almost exactly the same. And That's I just reverted hilarious. back to it for some reason, right there. Uh, I have a few songs that have whistling in them. Not that that one always does or anything. Right. I hate whistling in my songs. <laughs> like, I, I like hearing You're songs. You're welcome. No, I like hearing songs that have them, but I hate playing live and having to whistle. It's it, hard to whistle It's like live. the one thing that yeah. always fails because, like, all right. of a sudden you're dry and you're like... Right. <laughs> and, you, and if, you, and if you, and you, you know, you're thinking, like, singing and projecting it really yep. loud. If you do that whistling, it just no, no yeah. sound comes yeah, out. It's just wind in the microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, totally. Um, so uh, we don't have to end right Right at an hour. Okay. I, I, I tell people an hour and, and kind of let it stretch, so don't feel uh, rushed or anything. But if you do have to get out of here, we can start wrapping it up. Sure. Um, but uh, so you guys have a number of shows coming up. We do. Right. So um, uh, literally from today, um, tomorrow, March uh, 12th. We're playing at Tyranina Brewery, which um, is a is a big deal for us um, for a couple reasons. Um, the one that's been obvious as of late is um, they have named a beer after us, the Kissers yeah. Monday Night Special. After the third year in a row, they've named a beer after us. Um, but this year, there's a real um, uh, solidification of the uh, tradition, you might say. Which is, they bottled it. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, you know, Do you know where it's available for purchase? Yeah, uh, I think so. Um, I'm pretty sure it's at Trixie's, Star Liquor, all the Steve's liquors, and I also know that it's at Whole Foods. Um, and it's also available, I think, at a, a location or two in Waukesha and Milwaukee. And the other thing about it is that we have pay, played at the brewery for um, 15 years now. Wow. So this is a kind of our 15th anniversary there. So that's 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 a feels like sort of a homecoming in a way. Uh, and then on Sunday, uh, March 13th, we're playing in the St. Patrick's Day Parade, mm-hmm. something we've done for many years. We didn't do it on our hiatus. And actually, while we were touring, we often were gone. But it's something we have done going way back. Um, and then right after that, we're playing the Great Dane. Um, uh, which one? Downtown? Downtown. Okay. Uh, so the post-parade party. And then on Monday, we're playing our residency... Uh, here at the Malt House, um, and that's always a fun time, uh, especially the show before St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And then on St. Patrick's Day, we're playing the new incarnation of OK's. Actually, there's nothing new about it. It's been around for 10 years now. Um, <laughs> but it's still Kathy and and, uh, and and some of the same crew who, who uh, worked our shows when we played at OK's. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, and and what's more indicative of our of our age and our length of being a band, we do an early family show from 5:30 to 7, and then the uh, the uh, non-family show uh, <laughs> at eight o'clock with the Cajun Strangers. And where is that at? 
High noon. Sorry. High noon. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's Thursday, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, what's the difference between uh, your family and the adult show? Is it just language? Um, you know, basically we play a little bit quieter. Uh, we will have the Cashel Dennehy dancers at the family show um, dancing on a couple tunes. And um, we'll throw in a couple of tunes for the kids. Like, instead of whiskey in the jar, we'll play cookies in the jar. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have we have... On occasion, played um, Old MacDonald had a band, which go. is kind of fun because we go, you know, we have a lot of instruments. So yeah. we have the kids like shout out the name of the instruments as yeah. we, as, you know, and I say, and I make a joke about how Old MacDonald, you know, was Irish. <laughs> um, Obviously. Yeah. But to be honest, other than, than those elements, and there's lots of kids running around, it's basically our show, just, sure. you know, 90 minutes. So well, cool. it's pretty similar. Uh, so the last thing I, I ask every guest is. Um, is uh, who is the most interesting contact in your phone? And I have had guests answers with with ranges from Quincy Jones to mom and dad to a guy I went to college with. Um, but uh, the way I often phrase it is, if I was walking down the street and found your phone unlocked and I scrolled through the contacts, who should I make a call to? <laughs> That's interesting. So, of course, I'm scrolling through my contacts now that you mention it. And I'm like, wow, that person's still in there? Whoa. That happens to me every now and then when I start to uh, type in a new name for a text. And it's like, I haven't texted this person in 20 years. Yeah. You know, um, this. you you may roll your eyes at this answer, but it's it's an honest answer. And that's going to be my my wife, Maggie. Um, And that's because... um, uh, you know, much of this, my own evolution in terms of like uh, both, you know, growing um, as, as a person, growing spiritually, uh, gaining self-responsibility, um, but also connecting all the other things from my past. Like, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, how do I say it? Um, it's not like rejecting or regretting anything from my past. In fact, it's embracing much of it, but it's also sort of pulling the threads through time Hmm. and seeing where they are now. Um, And she has been instrumental in, in that, uh, that, that process of, of my own self discovery. And, you know, I certainly hope I've been similar for her. Um, And uh, I mean, she's, she's, you know, she's a, uh, has a natural empathy that it's been just fascinating to me that one that I don't like, you know, just, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to say I'm not empathetic, but like, she's just like, she can't turn it off. Like yeah. it's just always going. And, um, and also like, um, you know, she, uh, the way she's in touch with her own emotions and her own body and just, just, just all these things I've, I've learned so much from. And of course we have a, we have a son now, and um, but you can't son. you can't call him because he's three and three. he doesn't have a phone yet. <laughs> <laughs> not that not that he couldn't figure out how to operate it or anything. <laughs> yeah, Matthew. We call him Maddie um, in uh, in in the Irish tradition of uh, a nickname yeah. for Matthew. Yeah. Um, or Scottish, which is actually my heritage. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say Maggie. That's awesome. I, you know. It- I almost the other song I was almost going to play was a song called Montreal, which I guess if we really wanted to, I could play it. But that's a song of our new album, which is which is it's it's about a lot many things, but it's much about that process and there and also refers to her. Well, I think I think we have to hear it, and it's a, probably a good way to end on that. All right. Um, well, you should talk slightly more because I have to retune, sure. retune the instrument um, to do that. I will let no our pressure. listeners know. We won't have any actual outro like we normally do. What we'll do is I'll, while he's tuning right now, I will tell you our next Story Slam event at the Wilmar Center is Saturday, March 19th. The theme, as we've been talking about today, is rebel or rebel. You can choose what uh, word you want to base your story off of. And as always, um, it doesn't matter. If you've got a great story and it's not on theme, the point of Story Slam is to hear that. And so just come, sign up, and have a good time telling and hearing stories from people. And um, what else? Uh, Ale Asylum will sponsor that event, as always. And, uh, you know, we released our Best of CD last month. Uh, that was uh, the first event that you could uh, purchase that at. It's a CD with 11 of the best stories that we've ever had at Story Slam. 
and uh, you purchasing that would help us pay for a lot of things like the cost of renting the Wilmar Center and the website fees and the podcast hosting fees, and it would help us get better door prizes and all that good shit. So uh, here is Ken, and, and you said, what is this? Uh, the name of this song? Uh, all right, so uh, this song is called Montreal. It's on our latest record, which is, by the way, on the wall right there. Oh, this there is. is. We're in the malt house here. That's kind of a fun thing. Yeah. Um, and... Um, and we were fortunate enough that the Mamas, the Madison Area Music Awards, we won a, an award for both the album and the song in the world category, um, which I don't know. I like saying that. I feel like it's 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 okay for me to say that. Absolutely. Um, and uh, but it's it's called Montreal, and it's 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 like I said, I, I thought of it because I was talking about my wife Maggie, and 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 that's a, a big part of it. And but it's also it's it's sort of uh, encompasses the story of the band and our our. Uh, Searching for our new, our new sound, or what's our kind of new direction, and all sort of the bumps in the road that happen from that. All right. There's so an, there's also an instrumental section which I'll have to figure out how to get through. Right. Yeah. You know. Like I said, no more intro or no more outro. This will be the end of our podcast. So stick around to hear Ken from the Kissers playing Montreal. Montreal, North Montreal, snow and rain.